Thank you, praise team. They did a great job, didn't they? They've added one since I was here last, and so that's good. You're growing. Good morning, Bethlehem Baptist. We're thankful that you're here this morning. Greg talked to me before he left on vacation and said to he wanted me to know that he could not find any of you that would complain that I was there the last time, and so he was glad I was coming back. So I'm going to hand out gifts of money as you leave today so you can give another good report, okay? I have a special guest that showed up this morning, Daniel Tyndall. He's from my last church. You thought he'd had enough of my preaching, but he came today to encourage me. And my wife called this morning before 6 o'clock, before I was up, and said, Now you be sure and go to Bethlehem. And I said, I plan to. And she said, and you tell them they're a praying church, and I want them to pray for me. We have been on a roller coaster ride this week. They, uh, she was at LaGrange. Then they sent her home. Then they sent her back to Louisville Baptist. And then they decided to keep her after eight hours in the emergency room. They need to change their name. It wasn't an emergency, I guess. And she went in, and then they couldn't decide. Her heart rate dropped. And I finally called her heart doctor, and he said, I'll go over. And so he went over and checked and said she could have surgery, and they didn't know until 6 o'clock yesterday morning that they would actually do the surgery. I feel like I've been on a roller coaster ride. So I was thankful that I could come and be with you this morning because you have blessed our lives. But I'm going to have to bring her back now, whether I preach or not, because she fell in love with you and appreciated you and said to have you pray for because there's some rough roads ahead even now. So I want to preach this morning. My sermon title is, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. And I'm going to read this morning from Matthew 14, 25 through 32, and Isaiah 29, 13. First of all, Matthew 14, 25, 32. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, and he said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And then from Isaiah... The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, and their hearts are far from me. This title of my sermon this morning is, I'll have to confess to you, I stole it from a book in my library. It's by a man by the name of John Ortman. But it tells us that we can no longer in our churches... We need to take the sign off of our churches that says business as usual. Since COVID, we will never be able to do business as usual in our churches again 
The Bible never changes, but the way we present it and the way we reach out does. I almost came, I've never heard announcements done so well as your youth director does, did. I call her a youth minister, but uh, she did such a good job last night, I almost came to your water party. And I thought that sounded so great, and you had a good crowd. But that's, we reach out in different ways than we used to. Jesus told his disciples at one time, launch out into the deep. Do what I say. Get out of the boat, launch out into the deep. And so we must get out of the ordinary and do the extraordinary. In other words, we need to do God-sized tasks. Tasks in our churches that people can say, how did they do that? And we can only say it was because of God. And they can see God working in and through us. God needs to control our churches. He needs to control our families. Churches and families sometimes can be messy, can't they? But God wants to take control. And Satan, I believe, has a plan. If he can destroy the family, he can destroy the church. So we have to be strong in our homes, in our day-by-day life. Our country will never be right until God is in his rightful place in everything that we do. It's just a step of faith, and then God takes on a new meaning. We need to get out of our comfort zone, and we don't like to do that, do we? It seems like today everybody's walking. We live in an area where there's a lot of people, and they're all out walking, day in and day out, early in the morning for their health. Some are prayer walking. They're going and they're praying and they're walking and praying for those houses that they pass. Some just do it for recreation. Now, that's not my idea of a good time, but it would help me to get out and do that. But the Bible is full of unforgettable walkers. God himself in Genesis said that he liked to go to the garden and walk in the cool of the day. I think that's a beautiful scripture. Abraham took a hard but tender walk with his son Isaac to go up the mountain and sacrifice him to the Lord and follow God's command, but he didn't have to do that. There was a liberating walk when Moses and the Israelites walked through the Red Sea. Wouldn't that have been something? To see the waters part and walk through dry ground? And know that you were going to be safe on the other side. There was the frustrating walk that took the Israelites around the way by the desert for 40 years and then longer. Joshua had a triumphant walk around the walls of Jericho. The disciples had an illuminating walk when they were on their way to Emmaus. And Jesus joined them as they walked and they didn't recognize him but they knew that their hearts were burning within them. And they said, that was Jesus. I wonder how often Jesus comes to us and we miss him. He's there and he's walking with us each step of the way. Paul had an interrupted walk. I'm glad he did on the Damascus road. And God knocked him off his horse and said, Paul, you're going to be the first missionary for me. Then there was a walk so sad and holy that it received its own name. The walk to Golgotha, it's called the Via Dolorosa, the way of great sorrow. 
You can see the passion of Christ as our Lord for each one of us makes that walk up that hill. And here we see the unforgettable walk of Peter who walked on water. I think Peter always had his foot in his mouth. He must have been the first Baptist, don't you think? And he always had his foot in his mouth. And he said, well, let me come to you. And he walked on water. I don't know of any other man that's ever walked on water, but he took his eyes off of Jesus. We must make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus. As we do what God asks, I believe we have to get out of our comfort zone, out of where we're comfortable. We have to get out of the boat. We can't do it from the boat. We have to get out of the areas where we're comfortable. Franklin Roosevelt wrote, A smooth sea never made a good sailor. And I like that. God many times speaks to us, not in thunder, not in lightning, but he speaks to us through a whisper. So we have to listen carefully as he says, Come, follow me. The boat's safe and it's secure and even comfortable, but it's business as usual. The shallow water is a lot more appealing than launching out in the deep because we don't know how deep. We don't know what's there. Too often we let Christ come into our lives and we stay in our boat and we never move any further. We make that decision, but God said, I have something else, something greater for you to do. It's out of the boat. That God says, glorify me. It's out of the boat that we learn to keep our eyes on Jesus and see him as never before. We can't let the storms of life win. We ask for prayer for my wife. We have been on a roller coaster for a week. One day good, one day dead. The one hour good, next hour bad. And it's just been up and down and up and down. But I never doubted that God wasn't there. If people don't have God, I don't know how they make it in this life. And we need to make sure that we do that. Kingdom works takes place out on the sea where the footing's impossible and where we're out of our comfort zone. We rely on God and not ourselves. Water walkers experience God's presence. Don't you love to do that when you can feel His presence? We need to experience and show the world the power of God. Not to let people close our church doors, but to open them wide and sing songs like we sang this morning and let others see Jesus in us. God will help us do whatever He calls us to do if we have faith. We need to encounter Jesus in a new and fresh way. The Bible doesn't change. It's always the same. It's the Word of God without any error. But the way we react and the way we meet the world in which we live does. Don't let anyone take you on a detour. Satan will convince you to stay at the water's edge. But Jesus says, out in the deep is where you're going to catch more fish where you're going to touch more lives. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus' spirit was withdrawn from our homes or our churches or our lives, if anybody would ever know any difference and we just keep doing what we've always done. We need to have a revival, a revival in our church, a revival in our country. The scripture I just read, Jesus was not with the disciples 
He needed some alone time. Do you ever just need to get away and be alone with the Lord? Isn't that some sweet time? At one place, I was in charge of the BSU directors in the state that was on all the college campuses. Well, they had to take a leap of faith because we had no pay for them, and so they raised their own support. But I'll never forget, I was in a meeting with them, and Mike Eason looked at me and said, don't ever try to call me on Monday. I won't answer. And I thought, I'm your boss. You better answer the phone. And he says, I go to the mountain every Monday, and I stay there all day. And I pray, and I read my Bible. Jesus did that. He has to get alone, and that's what he was doing here in the Scripture. And Mike was the most effective VSU director I had because you could see that he had been with Christ. So in our Scriptures, an unexpected storm came up. All the disciples wanted to do, it was a very simple task, to cross to one side to the other. Just a common everyday experience. Nothing's ever ordinary with God. Don't ever think, well, this is an ordinary day. No. If I get up on the right side of the ground and I know that I'm alive and ready, God has something for me to do. And days aren't ordinary with God. Now, in the storm, all the disciples wanted to do was just survive. When they saw a form on the water, they didn't know it was Jesus, and it said they thought it was a ghost. And so they became very agitated and very excited and scared. When Jesus meets us where we are, we need to look for him in every situation. God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what do you want me to know? And through that, he will speak to you. There's a country gospel song out, and uh, they sang that they're under the bridge feeding the homeless. They're at the hospital helping with the cancer victim. And they're making someone smile, and it goes on and on, and they says, well, who is that? And they sing and say, it looks like Jesus to me. When we go, do we look like Jesus to people that we meet? There's nothing, I'm sorry to say, ordinary about Jesus. And sometimes we make him the ordinary, and he's the Prince of Peace. He's God's Son, and there's nothing ordinary. And we need to know, being boatless didn't slow Jesus down, did it? He was right there walking on the water, yet the disciples were in fear. When you walk in water, when you go out on the deep, that's when you face your fears and you never let them have the last word. Satan feasts on fear. God says, I'm a God of faith. Do you ever feel like you live in too fast of a world? We live in a microwave world. We want things and we want them right now. And we move here and we move there and we want it done quickly. So many meetings, everything's piling up on us in many directions. And Jesus comes in the midst of all that and we don't recognize him. And we need to know he's there. Look at the Emmaus Road that I just mentioned. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. Why was Jesus walking on the water at 3 a.m. in the morning? Mark Gospel says Jesus was making a striking appearance. That would do it, wouldn't it? We were out in a boat 
I was out the other night at 3 a.m. trying to get home, and if I'd seen somebody walking on water, I would have probably just thought I'd lost my mind. And, uh, and probably some people would have agreed. But uh, we look at that. God put Jesus on the water so that they could feel the power of God. As we preach, and let me say all of us here are preachers this morning. Every one of you are preachers. God called me to be a pastor, but you're preachers. You preach every day. You see people that I would never see in church and be able to preach to them. So as God brings people in your path, they're there for a reason. And either you preach God to them or you don't say anything, but you're still preaching by your silence. So we look at that and Jesus says, get out of the boat. When are you going to learn to put your trust in me? Every time, every day, he wants us to get over ourselves. He's waiting for you and for me to come to Him. Always be looking for Him. Reach other folks. You know, if every one of us in our churches would bring one more person with us this year, it would fill up our churches, wouldn't it? I was in a class this week, if I didn't have enough to do, and I was in a class, and they were talking about how many people in Kentucky are not in a church on Sunday morning. And it's some great astronomical number. I couldn't believe it. So there's people out there that needs to come. They need to come to Sunday school. Sunday school is not just for Christians. It's for people who doesn't know Christ. New classes need to be started. We need to every Sunday in our Sunday school classes some way have someone testify what God's done that week or present a plan of salvation. Always give a plan of salvation. You say, everybody in my class is a saved Christian. Don't take that for granted. Share your story or let someone share theirs. I like to, when I was teaching Sunday school, have an empty chair in my Sunday school class just to say, someone's missing. We need to go find them or say, that's Jesus' chair. He's here with us this morning. So we look at that and Peter caught the vision. When we teach and preach, even as we go on a spiritual adventure and growth, even today, that's why we're here, one person in the boat got it. Each one needs to reach one. And when we get that, we'll see things happen. Look at what we just said. The waves were crashing. The wind was at gale force. As God called, what are you doing? And they said, who is this? Who is it? And finally, someone said, it's Jesus. The boat was safe and secure and comfortable. But Peter said, I'm going to go to him. God needs us. That's why he put us on this earth, to serve him. And we get so busy serving everything else, we miss what God wants to do. What's your boat today? Anything that comes before God is the boat that you're in. Your boat is whatever you're tempted to put your trust in. Your boat is whatever keeps you comfortable so that you don't listen to God. Your boat is whatever pulls you away. The storm shouldn't have been any surprise. It had been storming all the way along when they left and when they crossed the lake. And it said that Peter, when he walked on water, looked and he saw the wind. Have you ever saw the wind? That's a powerful statement there. I love that. 
he looked and he saw the wind, and when he saw the wind, he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he sank. Same things happen in our lives when we take our lives off of Jesus. We're in real trouble. We grow as we face the unexpected obstacles. Do you know what the best-selling chair is in America today? What would you think it was? Lazy boy. It's not risky boy. It's not worker boy. Because we have become soft. We have lazy boys. We have two in our home. A lazy girl and a lazy boy. The other 11 disciples could be called boat potatoes. They didn't get out of the boat and they didn't walk on water. They just stayed where they were. Some people like being on the sidelines when God has a job for them to do. God's call demands we do something and let him lead us. I know that I can't do that, but I know that God can. And he takes us and molds us and makes us into what he wants us to be. God says, walk on the water with me. Launch out in the deep. Water walking teaches us to wait and to have patience and like what God's called us to do. And we need to pray. I'm in a Bible study on Wednesday night as a participant. We're studying James. And James, the brother of Jesus, was called camel knees. You know why that cow come? Because he was on his knees praying so much. It affected his knees. They say in Billy Graham's study, next to his desk, the carpet is worn out where he knelt and where he prayed. We have lots of distractions, don't we, in 2022? Some mornings and at night when I get ready to go to bed, I think, what did we do today? It's just been a whirlwind. But when we encounter Jesus, we're never the same. Aren't you a changed individual this morning? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been changed? Do you seek and draw closer to God? Leave your past at the foot of the cross. Don't go back there and pick it up. And move on and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Walking on water, or water walking, brings a deeper connection to God. Folks, if we don't get out of our boats, we're going to die there. That's just a fact. Have you ever looked at a boat? It would make a nice casket, wouldn't it? You could just lay down there, cover up, and you could just be buried there, and some people are. But we've got to get out. God wants to change our life. He wants us to be complete. If you feel something's missing, it's maybe because God's not in his rightful place. And if we let him, and he leaves it up to us, it's a matter of eternal significance. We need to quit looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we have. I was teaching a class one time, and I said, we like to say, why me? Did you ever, do you ever say that? And there was a couple there, and uh, Daniel knows them, but they had been hit head-on in a car accident many years before by a drunk driver. Bill, who was driving the car, took the brunt. He was taken to one hospital. His wife was taken to the other hospital. He was pronounced dead three times. She signed the papers. And he stood up and said, Pastor, and I said, what? And he said, I don't say, why me? I say, why not me? And that really spoke to me. I thought, well, 
made me want to sit down and say, I just better be quiet, you know, because he was saying, why not me? Why not let God do what he wants to do? And they will give a testimony that will rock your heart and your life as they talk about what they went through. What am I doing apart from God? Talk and listen in prayer. If you want to walk on water, then you got to get out of the boat. I want to close my message this morning with a true historical illustration. I read it often and it ties everything that I've just said together. It helps me raise my level of commitment. There was a group of men that left the shores of Cuba on February in, in 1514. They had 11 ships, 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, and 16 horses. They were going to take the world's richest treasures. It had been held by the same army for 600 years. No one was able to get it away from them. It was called the Aztec Empire. The group of men was led by Hernando Cortez. He was leading this group to make it their business to take this treasure. Cortez was already wealthy. He used his own money. He studied how the others and failed, but instead of going and doing what they were supposed to do, they took side trips all the way. And by the time they got there, they had lost the interest in the treasure. So he had total focus. He listed a group of people and made sure that they were dedicated and they were going to be part of the reaping of the taking the treasures and they were going to take money and they said, we're dedicated, we'll go with you wherever you go. As soon as they got out on the ocean, guess what? They started to complain. They said, why are we here? We want to go back home. We don't want to go. He said, it's too late. And he made up his mind he was going to raise their level of commitment. When they landed, he drilled them on the beach. He trained them on what they do. And then the day came that they were to go take the treasure. And he said, bring all of our boats here and put them in a pile. And strike and burn them to the ground. And we will stand here and watch the wind blow them away. And they said, are you crazy? He said, no. If we go home, we're going home in their boats. So they burnt their boats. They not only got out of their boats and in the deep water, they burnt them. Now they really had some skin in the game. And it said that they went, and it says in the history books, and you can find this story, they took the treasure that no one else had been able to get. They got in their enemies' boats and took them home. We need to get out of the boat. We need to burn them, our boats, and say, I don't want that. I want something better. And we have lots of boats in our lives, lots of excuses. God wants us to have all that we can do in our homes, in our churches, in our lives. And the greatest treasure that we have is God. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. So I would just challenge you to join with me today as we burn our boats and we launch out into deeper waters. 2 Samuel twenty-two seventeen says, He reached down from on high and he took hold of me and he lifts us up to him. We're never on our own. Never give up. God 
is on our side and we need to get serious about him. Are you serious about God this morning? Are you listening to him? Are you praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? It may not be to stand up here and preach. It may not be to do something else. But it may be to pray for someone. To sit down and talk to them. To hold someone's hand. You know, it's always good to have a special friend that can encourage you and can lift you up. And you can be that friend to someone else. But let God do what he wants to do in your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your youth director. She was telling me this morning, you need someone to work with children on Wednesday night. Maybe God's calling you to do that. I was a children's minister, and that was the most fun thing I have ever done in my life. And I was 60 years old when I was their pastor. Now I'm getting marriage invitations from them. I'm getting college graduation from them, and I feel so very old. But we had a good time. I was their youth pastor, their children's pastor for almost nine years. And then I did senior adults. I see some senior adults here. I am a senior adult. And they weren't a whole lot different than the kids. I just couldn't pick them up and set them in a chair and said, be quiet and sit there. But God makes a difference in our lives. And I'm so thankful for what he's done in mine. And I'm so thankful he's let me be here with you this morning. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. You're a special group of people. And every time I drive up to your beautiful church, your beautiful education building, I think this is a fantastic place. And people, as they drive by, see it. And they're going to start coming as you pray, as you do these special things, things that almost seem silly. You say, well, why would that reach people? You never know what will reach those who pass by here. You may just want to set a little table. I saw in Shelbyville the other day, there was a group, and they had a tent set up along the main street across from Kroger's, and it says, stop and we'll pray with you. Stop and leave your prayer here. And people were lined up to do that. And I thought, well, that was, I would never have thought of that. But it was reaching people, reaching children, and loving one another. If you want to walk on water, get out of the boat. That's where the excitement is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come this morning. Thank you for this great church, for each person that's here. How they've touched my wife and I's life. Thank you for this pastor that's so faithful. Help him as he rests. There's times we need to get out of our boat and just rest and be alone and just help him to have a refreshing experience. As a big business meeting comes up, bring the people to come and see what's going on because it's always exciting when your will is done. Now, Father, as we give this invitation time, we just pray that people would come and they would give their heart to you for it's in your name we pray.